10. We're still recovering from a pretty good pay-per-view. Yes. Um, yeah, it's Hannah and Emily Russell Podcast. It's episode 23. My name's Annalise. Here with me is, you know, once again, the greatest heel of all time. She is the Vicar of Doom, the Reverend of Destruction, sending from the rafters. It's Emily the Raven. Good evening, everyone. Now, it's episode 23, which makes me think of the movie, the number 23. <laughs> mm. Well, that's a better thought than the one that I had, because let's say, for the sake of argument, you have an amazing, young, talented wrestler who has established his name all over the world. He's held a title in your company for one of the longest periods of time in modern history. He has an iconic look and way about him. Everything about him screams star. So what do you do? You change Pete Dunn's name to Butch. What? Yeah. As we're recording this, SmackDown is airing right now, and WrestleTalk has reported um, that Pete Dunn's name has been changed to Butch as he's debuting on the main roster. I would like to remind everyone that all of Mustache Mountain, British Strong Style, Pete Dunn, uh, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate have been on the WWE books since late 2015, early 2016, I do believe. Possibly I've got that a little bit wrong. I don't really care. But they've been there for a while. And this is the first time they're debuting Pete Dunne on SmackDown. And he's not the bruiserweight. He's not Pete Dunne. He's Butch. I fucking quit, okay? <laughs> I'm so fucking done with this shit. What the fuck is wrong with WWE creative, specifically Vince McMahon? Last, last week, I was like, let's be nice to Vince McMahon because he is a human being and he does seem like to be a genuinely caring person from the letter Daniel Bryan wrote, uh, so on, so forth, Bryan Danielson, uh, so on, so forth. Lots of people who had good things to say about Vince listening, yada, 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 but also weird Vince stories. So, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt and treat Vince like a person. I'm taking that all back because Pete Dunn is now butch on Friday Night SmackDown and I just don't even know what the fuck is going on anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying it's consistently like this. It's not going to change. I so, know. I know. I'm still giving them till WrestleMania I, and then I'm done. Yep. It just. This is the dumbest thing. This is the. This is worse than changing Walter to Gunther. And that's a pretty bad name change. Although. Wow. I think they're out, equally as bad. Yeah. What did I point out? Well, that it was pronounced the right way. I think you're, you're one of the people who pointed out that it could actually sound very menacing. Oh, yeah. Gunther. Gunther. <laughs> I, went, I, went, I went further Eastern European than you did there. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, just, this is just absolute shit. And again, Friday Night SmackDown used to be great. Used to have a tag team division. Used to have a great women's division. Uh used to have a great main event scene. I mean, you had, when it was really kicking off after the most recent brand split, you had uh, John Moxley as Dean Ambrose feuding with AJ Styles over the WWE Championship, and now you've got 
Pete Dunne as Butch as the third person in a faction with Seamus and Ridge Holland. And I'm just, yeah, fuck it. There's no hope. I'm I'm still going to stick through my plan and give them through WrestleMania, but I have absolutely no hope of WrestleMania salvaging any interest that I have for WWE. And I will only be reading reports about it and watching clips on YouTube, and I will be unsubscribing from Peacock after I watch all the movies that Peacock has exclusively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this 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 shit. Um, seriously, Vince, fuck you. Um, I take back every nice thing I said about you last week. And I didn't say that many nice things, so it's not a whole lot for me to take back. Let's get in to get some good stuff. Oh, was today a busy day? Because Thunder Rosa, I believe your current favorite wrestler in the world. She's she's co-equal with um, Kenny. Kenny. Yeah. Gave an interview to the very nice uh, Luke Owen D. A D because he just you know, <laughs> recently had a baby, so he's been doing that D A D thing. But he w- he didn't do it for Thunder Rosa because you know he wanted the interview to go well. Yeah, and Thunder Rosa talked extensively about the importance of women running wrestling shows, not just being mm-hmm. on wrestling shows, but producing TV, doing the booking, doing the commentary, refereeing. All that important stuff, setting, you know, doing all the things and getting more women involved. And I strongly, strongly urge you to go seek this interview out if you have not already. You can find it um, on Wrestle Talk Podcast, which is the YouTube channel uh, that just does the daily podcast that Wrestle Talk puts out. You should actually subscribe to all of the Wrestle Talk stuff, whether it's the main Wrestle Talk channel, Wrestle Talk Podcast, Parts Fun Known. Or if you like board games, no rules barred, because we have gotten so much fucking love and support from people at Wrestle Talk. Like Pete Quinnell, one of the regulars in Wrestle Talk, was one of the first people to shout us out. Um, social media Abby, who runs Wrestle Talk social media accounts, uh, shouted us out for International Women's Day. Thank you so much. We were very honored. Um, and she's been a big fan of ours for a while. So uh, thank you so much wrestle talk and so hopefully we can send our three or four viewers or listeners over to you to listen to (laughs) to listen to thunder rosa's interview because this was a fantastic interview it's 46 minutes long it's worth every minute it could have been two hours uh thunder rosa is just amazing just amazing yeah and you know she's so excellent on interviews you know every single i've i think i've listened to her on Maybe every podcast she's been on, I don't know. That's probably that might not be true, but I, I pretty probably pretty close. To, and she's just consistently so great on interviews, and you know, just really enjoyable uh, you to listen to. She has so many skills that it takes to be in wrestling, from behind the scenes to you know, cutting promos to doing press to interacting with fans. I mean, she is just just so professional and so real and funny. And yeah, just listen to it and keep listening to her because she's just a delight, like super enjoyable on everything um, she's been on. As much as she is on par with all the great women's wrestlers that are currently working, whether we're talking about the Four Horsewomen, 
the the rise of Japanese women's uh, wrestlers in Western consciousness, or even people in her own promotion like Britt Baker and so on and so forth. Um, I think where Thunder Rosa is going to end up making her biggest impact in the history of wrestling is going to be things like Mission Pro and things like women-led wrestling. Uh, because it's going to change things. And so much of what she was saying about making sure uh, wrestling audiences are safe for women to become fans in, because it is really intimidating to step into what is considered to be a very male fandom and kind of actually be allowed to be there. And so Thunder Rosa is just fantastic. Um, It's also just, you know, Again, just very, very cultured, and a lot of what's being said about like there was one uh, question from from uh, a viewer uh, or a comment actually about the way in which uh, AEW is uh, treating Latino wrestlers much, much better than uh, WWE ever has. So you know, just so many good things to talk about, and that just we could talk about the entire interview. But let's let's talk about something you brought up. The titles in AEW are, in fact, heating up. This felt cool for a little while, but now, Emily. <laughs> yes, don't don't touch that metal on the titles because you will get burned. It is really, really heating up in just just within this last pay per view, and then on Dynamite. There. The stories that that are coming out of both of these are going to carry through for a long time. And I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. I am really thrilled for Scorpio Sky. I I love him in terms of his wrestling. I I have not liked uh, his association with Dan Lambert, but... Because he's great on his own, in his own right. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And then I think probably a lot of big potential is in what's going to happen with Hangman. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like, you know, as as you look at his story overall, he's had these, you know high highs and low lows and then just tried to even them out and he got the title but what's going to happen now you know he's he's got a bit of an edge to him lately and i i wonder long term what's going to come of that because mm-hmm. Adam Cole is gunning hard for the title and you know Hangman is in a pretty tenuous position and we could really see like darker aspects of his character reemerge and maybe even in new ways because the, you know his history with the elite with you know Kenny who's waiting in the wings somewhere hopefully to return soon I mean we could really we could really see this take a really dark turn with Hangman 
And I don't think it's going to happen quickly if it does, but the potential is there. Yep, and we've also got, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to our review, um, but we've also got Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker in a steel cage almost a year oh. to the day from their Lights Out match next week. That's going to be freaking awesome. Um, <clears throat> and we have just so many other uh, great things. Jade Cargill, uh, one, of my, one of my kids, um, was actually introduced to wrestling and just about lost herself seeing Jade Cargill. Uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, because, uh, you know, that was... Um, mm-hmm. And there's a great uh, clip of Alex, Queen of the Ring, a uh, friend of the show, who also has been walking around wearing trans rights t-shirts. Thank you, Alex, and protect trans kids t-shirts again. Thank you, Alex. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, what... The, the 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 quote that came out of uh this was uh i gotta find it because it's it's totally worth it all this dead air on the on the air she could crush my, she could crush my pelvis and i'd say thank you <laughs> ouch mm-hmm. yeah that that cosplay was and again there there there's there's a uh there's a um, clip of Alex, Queen of the Ring, watching Jade come out, and she pretty much just spontaneously combusts into pleasure, <laughs> seeing Jade come out dressed as Jade from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was incredible. And mm-hmm. this whole kiss of death thing that she mm-hmm. has going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was all kinds of wonderful. Um so yeah, the title scene is looking great. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the next team that comes up challenge the tag type challenge for the tag titles, uh, because it looks like we're going to get more of Young Bucks versus Red Dragon. I'm here for that. Hopefully, it's FTR since they just fired Telly Blanchard. Whatever the hell that was about, that was out of mm-hmm. the blue. Mm-hmm. There, there are some problems with Dynamite this week, but we're not going. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. We got too many other awesome things to talk about. Like Sami Zayn making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Holy shit. <laughs> Poor Sami Zayn um, is stuck in this awful, awful WrestleMania match against Johnny Knoxville of Jackass fame. <sighs> but Sami is not giving up on this being worthwhile and he has frankly made the most of it today on twitter sammy zane posted text he had been sending to johnny knoxville because he got johnny knoxville's phone number and has just been trolling him in text well turnabout is fair play because johnny knoxville tweeted out sammy zane's phone number and people are calling sammy zane what yep this is all this is all work. This is all work. It is hilarious. This whole this whole thing is hilarious. Sammy has taken a an absolutely nothing piss break of a match of a celebrity wrestling match that he's gonna have to have at WrestleMania with Johnny Knoxville. And he's turned it into just comedy 
gold in the last day. And and just you you give Sammy anything and he will make it work. And it's just it it sucks that he's stuck with bullshit like this and that he's not a top guy in WWE. He's being treated as really bad mid-card fodder, even though he's got the well, he had the Intercontinental Championship. Uh it's now on Ricochet, which is good for Ricochet. But yeah, uh Uh, tell people the truth, or that's not, and that that's not me. I'm getting messages asking why you're do, why I'm doing your nails and serving you drinks. Uh, seriously, take it down. Um, you have no idea how dangerous I can be. Uh, for duck's sake, ignore that. That's not that's not for you, obviously. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, he he said, "Haha, okay, fine. Get me the vegan Reuben with the side salad, pickles too, if they have them." Oh, for duck's sake, ignore that. It's not you, obviously, because Sammy doesn't usually swear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Sammy's been Sammy's been having fun with this. Uh, which is great because frankly. Yeah. Did have someone dress Johnny Knoxville did have someone dress up as Sammy Zayn to serve him. So yeah. Mm. Again, this match is going to suck. There's a lot of backstage heat on Johnny Knoxville wrestling because he has severe injuries that were the same kind of thing that kept Daniel Bryan out for years. And so a lot of people are not happy with it. But Sammy, again, makes everything work. And, you know, thank you, Sammy. You, I laughed so hard today. <laughs> And now the bad news. The WWE Board of Directors has decided that Vince McMahon and Nick Khan get raises. Oh, vomit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, this was reported uh, earlier today uh, by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. Vince's salary for 2022 will be $2 million. In 2021, it was $1.4 million. Uh, Nick uh, Nick's second equity grant disclosed prior to is nine million dollars, increased by seven million dollars to sixteen million dollars. So, wait, what? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Wow. Okay. You know, like when we talk about Vince, this is someone who's a billionaire. Mm hmm. He doesn't need the money. Why he's a billionaire and he's and you know his whole family, everyone in his family is at least millionaires. If not, I don't know what Stephanie's worth, but this is just oh, just makes me sick. It just makes me sick because how many, you know, and then I, you know, I've. Who knows? Over what... 200 wrestlers and staff have been laid off by WWE over the last two years. Okay, and what was what did Nick Khan get out of this again? Did you say about like... a seven seven million dollar increase to sixteen million? Oh, it just to... ma- oh, yeah. it just makes me so sick. It's just like, oh wow, just really blows my mind. Yep, and. What did they get this money for? Cutting deals with Saudi Arabia and cutting people out of their jobs. Yeah. 
which is all mm-hmm. just disgusting. Like, just. Yeah, <clears throat> there's nothing good about any of this. This is such garbage. This is, this is, this is the definition of bad optics. And you can come back at us and be like, well, that's how business works. And like, yeah, we know that's how business works. Capitalism is evil. Get on board. Seriously. Get on board with the idea that, that capitalism is fucking evil and, you know, move on and let's start working on changing that because this is the reward that you get from shareholders and boards of directors when you fire people as cost-cutting measures to make the company more money. It's disgusting, and it, and it just it's such bad optics. You know, you could not if if cost cutting measures are a thing, which we can no longer believe that they're a thing. It's just such. <sighs> well, and that's the thing too is that this is none of this is really good business practice when you have a a company who's product is consumable entertainment that relies on people being entertained mm-hmm. and so the the way that it's being run is unfortunately you know more common than not for businesses in the u.s but especially like the fact that they have a board and they're publicly traded just really you know sets sets the stage for these kind of abuses to happen and yeah i just i mean i you know i i doubt that this i doubt very many people would agree with me but i really think that the United States should have a maximum wage. Not, yes. <laughs> I think they should raise the minimum wage considerably, and there should also be a maximum wage because this, you know, WWE isn't alone in these kind of really disgusting, harmful practices that take all of the money away from the people whose labor makes the company company good you know no and as far as sports they're the worst because every other sporting league as far as we can tell and it's not just wwe this is a problem across professional wrestling professional wrestlers are drastically underpaid at the top levels at the indie levels they get paid what they what the indies can afford indies will sometimes run paycheck to paycheck because that's what they have to do but even even for good companies like roh aew new japan they're still underpaid percentage-wise based on what they're actually bringing in. Um, but WWE is the absolute worst of the worst because you're at, the average split for, for professional sports leagues in North America is 50-50. 50% goes to the owners, 50% goes to the players. In WWE, it's 90-10. Mm. Only 10% of the revenue that is generated is actually going to the performers who are the ones who are actually doing the work. It's a little lopsided and ridiculous. And I don't remember where I'm getting that statistic from. And I may be pulling it out of my ass. But I don't think I am. And if I am, please feel free to correct me. 
We have an email address. We'll get to it at the end of the show. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I just, this also just thinking about Nick Khan, you know, who's someone, I don't know how old he is exactly. I think he's in his late late 40s, early 50s, maybe. You know, with the amount of control he has in WWE, Vince could leave the company and all of these problems could still continue. So that, you know, this is why I'm just kind of like, I really don't think there's any hope for WWE. So. And it's just one of those things where I, I watched Nick Khan's interview with Ariel Hawani before WrestleMania last year. And I'm just like, you are just slimy as, all hell and it it just it does feel more and more like wwe is trying to sell although they're denying that but that's what you do when you're when you're trying to sell you don't tell the truth about it um so yeah whatever Mm -hmm. moving on to the story that we've been following this is coming from Dave Metz, uh, Meltzer on, on the uh, Wrestling uh, uh, Observer Newsletter. Uh, the deal between Cody Rhodes and WWE has not come through yet. Now, Meltzer is saying that the terminology he was given from WWE is that they believe that Rhodes is angling for a better deal, realizing that he has leverage of WWE desperate to bring him to Infomania. Um, and the report also states that WWE believes Rhodes can be t- attempting to pull a Brian Pillman and using WWE for publicity before returning to AEW as a bigger name who cheated the system. Mm. This is what Meltzer is reporting that people are concerned with on the inside. At the same time, Cody Rhodes is still penciled into the backstage uh, card for WrestleMania. He's supposed to start a program soon, they hope, with Seth Rollins, because that's what Seth Rollins has been freed up to do. And Meltzer is suggesting that um, there's an even chance uh, between Rhodes and and WWE coming together or that it not even happening. So at this point, it's a coin flip. This has gone from what was being reported as a lock Almost immediately after the after the announcement was reported uh, by Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan and Brandy Rhodes upon the leaving of AEW, it was a lock to it started to go down to then talks fizzled out. Earlier this week, reportedly there were multiple offers on the table, multiple different offers for Cody to to mull over, and it appears that Meltzer is looking at this whole thing is that. We don't really know what's going to happen, and the, and the the um, the reporting from the sources behind the scenes is Cody really might just be might have realized just how much power he has with this negotiation, and so he's making it the best possible that he could, and he could actually use this to come back to AEW, or he could use this to do another indie tour and just go where he wants while he's free. But right now, it seems like he's 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 mentioned jokingly a couple of times on social media that he's enjoying retirement. I like the idea that 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 Cody's trying to pull a Brian Pillman on WWE. 
because if you if you saw the the um dark side of the ring on Brian Pillman, this was talked about quite heavily in that. Um and I, I, I like I it's it's Cody being such a fan of old school wrestling, like playing promoters off the off of each other for contract negotiations like the gigantic star that he is is pretty cool for me. <laughs> so Thoughts yeah. on Cody Rhodes possibly pulling a Pillman? Well, you know I've been really skeptical of this whole situation <laughs> this whole time. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think we're going to know until we know. Probably. And, you, you know, I think people really enjoy all the speculation. I just, I wouldn't put anything past Cody, and I also wouldn't put, put anything past him in terms of, you know, super long-term storytelling because he had, you know, months ago, he had his, his like, storyline with Malachi Black and he started taking his boots off in the ring. And, you know, I really think that that started everything to the point we're at right now. And... Cody Cody is in in charge of his story in a way that I don't think could have been possible. Well, I know no, it wouldn't have been possible before AEW existed. Mm-hmm. So and here's here's the thing that, that I just want to add to that is that wherever he shows up, wherever he decides to show up, he is going to get the biggest pop because everyone every every mark and every smark is on the edge of their seat about where's Cody gonna be if he goes back to AEW he's going to get the baby face pop that he wants if he goes to WWE he's going to get a huge baby face pop this is for for how Cody sees himself as being a baby face as not wanting to be a heel this is going to do it. Wherever he ends up landing, it's going to be great. We will see what happens. Yes. <laughs> and our last bit of news before we get to our special report, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about these two last pieces of news together. We'll get to it in a moment. William Regal has responded to concerns about his health because apparently when he cut that promo that went too long, which he apologized for on Dynamite, um, he said already, that's why I stay out of the rumor mill and gossip. I just found out that there's been many things printed about my health. I'm healthier than I've been in many years. I talked about this week, uh, uh to, to someone about things that happened to me in 2018. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Regal will provide details on his health, uh, n- next week's edition of talk on Jericho talk is Jericho, because apparently a lot of people were very concerned about his health, which tells me a lot of people didn't actually listen to the promo that he that he cut he was talking about the long-term effects that his his addictions were going to have on him when he gets older mm-hmm. not that he's in bad health now i mean that was pretty clear to me was it clear to you oh yeah absolutely it was clear to me it was clear that he was he he was doing really incredible work on the mic 
on Dynamite. And as always. And he, you know, to me, he deserved any amount of time to do that. And that was magic. Everything from we'll get to revolution, but he's been in the he's been in the company for for a very for a few days and it's been just magical for me like just incredible so you know this is a problem this is a wider bigger problem in general that hold on a second one second we have a breaking Anne and emily wrestler podcast special report from emily the raven what is this? What's my special re- just keep- <laughs> this <laughs> okay. separating rumors from the reporting. Go for it, Emily. <laughs> okay, okay. So this is this is the thing. This is kind of a soapbox for me. Well, it definitely is. We've had this long term in the United States movement from journalism and news into every in into opinion and the news has moved farther and farther and farther into the territory of what used to be editorial columns and opinion pieces and this you know this is a wider problem than just in wrestling but in wrestling you have people who are on friendly terms. They're they're either outright friends, acquaintances, or you know, just someone who knows a lot of people on the inside. People talk, and these things get printed and reported in quotation marks as if they are news pieces, as if this person is a journalist. And that's not how journalism works. That's not, you don't just reprint things that you overhear or that are, that are told to you because then what you get is dirt sheets. And that's been a problem and a problem slash also part of the fun and storytelling, but also a problem, you know, since wrestling began. And so it's interesting. I could go on a whole like lecture of, (laughs) of how like dirt sheets and kayfabe and wrestling news has converged with like all the other cultural changes with with the news media in the United States. Bottom line, Dave Meltzer in Wrestling Observer made a claim that William Regal's health problems were far more serious than he was letting on. And that w- that got combined with regal's excellent promo and what you got then was this explosion of oh no what's going to happen to william regal he's got he's suffering from some you know mysterious ailment and then people were you know theorizing what it could be and starting essentially more rumors out of that because that that's what happens right so, and this has happened with Meltzer before, you know, people tell him things and it's, it's a, it's a mistake to just, that you know, just print what you overhear, what people tell you, because that's not, 
ethical in journal. It's not journalism. So here we are. And, you know, this has been happening quite, I think, quite a bit more lately. And we saw it with, you know, Jeff Hardy supposedly being let go for drug, for, you know, drugs and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. And it was easy to fall into because it seemed plausible, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm going to finish out what I'm saying with uh, William Regal's uh, tweet from earlier this evening that just kind of sums up the whole thing. <laughs> okay. I'm tweeting to you all from the grave. Goodness gracious, it's hot down here. Don't let that charlatan and custard foot toss pot, real Clinton B, try to contact me. Get the only true psychic in the world, Ramon Tamin, to get in touch with me and if any of you need me. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> Delightful. Okay, so everybody, he tweeted it. The, if you want to get in touch with William Regal, you can contact a psychic. You could try a Ouija board. You could try a seance. I'm not endorsing either of those. But if you need if you need to talk to him, now you know how to get a hold of him. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the reasons why it's so important to separate and it gets hard to separate someone who's a legitimate reporter from a dirt sheet. One of the mm -hmm. reasons why I why I rely so heavily on Fightful and Sean Rossap is he doesn't report anything until he has multiple sources telling him what's happening. And that still might not turn out to be true. Yeah. But once he's got confirmation from multiple sources, he's okay to report it. Because and the thing that we have to remember is things are always in flux. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is part this is part of the job. Meltzer is one of those people who sometimes behaves like a reporter and sometimes just gets on a microphone and says whatever's in on in his head. Yeah. And don't get us wrong, we love Dave Meltzer. Oh yes. He's great. He's he is fantastic and he's done some really quality wrestling journalism, but he also does not do a good job of separating his opinion from his reporting. Whereas, you know, again, again Stan Stan Sean Ross Staff, I'm going to stand Denise Salcedo, I'm going to stand the entire crew over at Fightful and all the people on Twitter who bash Fightful, fuck you all. Um because they report when they have confirmation. And when they're doing something like their reviews of Raw or wrestling shows, they don't break news during those. They just they just tell you what their opinion of of that particular wrestling show was, and they make it very clear that it's their opinion. So there are organizations out there that are doing really great jobs of breaking news and and doing good reporting. Uh, the very reliable WrestleVotes on Twitter, who's broken tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of wrestling news over the last five or so years. Um, we just mentioned Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics, who does a lot of very good reporting and breaking news. And there are tons of other people out there who do the job right. But please look for people with their sources and do understand that unnamed sources are part of journalism because you have to protect your sources. Because if the people telling Sean Ross Sapp what he's hearing were named, they'd get fired. 
So Sean can't name his sources. And again, that's part of journalism entirely. So please, please try to separate opinion and rumor from reporting and understand that reporters are human and will get things wrong. And also that this is wrestling and everything's in flux. Or as, or as Cesaro once treated out, cards subject to change. <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. Uh, we want to talk very uh, quickly about the uh, Crockett Cup. Up back, the 2022 Crockett Cup is up. It is a stacked card. I don't know most of these tag teams that are going to be competing for the Crockett Cup. I will say I'm a little disappointed that FTR isn't in the Crockett Cup. This was a perfect chance for them to fight the Briscoes. And um, yeah, uh, but there, but the rest, of the, the rest of the Crockett Cup, aside from the tag team tournament, which is going to be great. This is going to happen on the 19th and the 20th. So, you know, mark it down March, uh, uh, March 19th, uh, next Saturday is going to be one of the best days of tag team wrestling. You're going to see, it's going to start with a four way, uh, tag team, uh, tag team match to determine the 16th seed in the Crockett cup. And then all these other matches and this crock, the actual Crockett cup is going to go on for quite a while. That's the 20th. March 20th is going to have Matt Cardona versus Nick Aldis for the NWA uh, World's Heavyweight Championship with get with Jeff Jarrett as the special guest referee. I don't really care about Jeff Jarrett, but I, I love what Matt Cardona has been doing since he got cut by WWE. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. Um, a four-way match the vacant NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship between Austin Aries, Homicide, Darius Lockhart, and Colby uh, Carino. And I'm sorry, but who let Austin Aries wrestle again? I don't know. I guess Billy Corgan. Fucking anti-vaxxer <laughs> asshole. Uh, uh, oh, is Austin, is Austin Aries an anti-vaxxer? He's an anti-vaxxer. He's also wow. a total asshole. He also pulled a whole bunch of bullshit the last time he wrestled for Impact. He's he's just been a dick. Um, and it hurts me to say that because I love Austin Aries as a wrestler. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of the last you know 15 years or so. I really liked the work that he did in Impact. I really liked him uh, in NXT and on 205 Live even and the series of matches he had with... Uh, Pack when back when Pack was Neville. I mean, their WrestleMania match, it was a pre show match, but it was still fucking great. Um, yeah, Austin Aries is a pretty terrible human being, and it just kind of sucks. Um, wow, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, Camille versus Kylie Ray versus Chelsea Green for the NWA Women's Champ, uh, World Women's Championship. That is going to be a fantastic uh, match. The rest of it, I don't know that much. Um, you have the Hex versus Pretty Empowered for the NWA Women's Tag Team Championships. That's great. So I do love that NWA is doing a lot with women's tag teams as well. They've got belts. Good for them. We might have to cover NWA a little bit more. Yeah. And then uh, Tyrus uh, versus Rodney Mack uh, for the NWA World Television Championship. It's pretty cool to see Rodney Mack wrestling again. Um, I wish... I could like Tyrus, who used to be Brodus Clay, um, but 
he's a Fox News stand, so Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're it, it's not about you being a conservative, it's about you being a conservative on the network that's promoting Trump's, you know, uh a uh, big lie. So Yeah. No sorry. Ki- no kidding. Well, There's- and and now they have people shilling for Putin. Russia yeah. on there, so yeah. yeah. Yikes. Yeah. You don't see George Will going on Fox News, do you? So you can be a conservative and, you know, not be terrible. It is possible. Right. Yep. <sighs> Anthony Mayweather versus Jack Stane for the NWA National Championship. I have no idea who either of these performers are, but I'm kind of curious about this because the rest of this card looks really good. Um, so, yeah. And I do like I, I do like Marty Bell. I liked her as part of the Dollhouse in TNA. Uh, and she was also in uh, the first... Uh, May Young Classic. Oh yeah. So, um, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing uh, the women's match. I don't know if I'm going to watch this pay per view, but Pocket Cut. And I'm glad you pointed me towards this, which is why I'm glad I put this in here. NWA is one of those promotions that could be that really important middle tier in North American wrestling, along with uh, Major League Wrestling. With you know, obviously AEW, Ring of Honor, WWE at the top, and then that middle tier of of indies where people can, you know, work and get paid and learn, and either stay there forever, and, you know, have a career or move up if they so choose. So uh, it's great that NWA has survived. Uh, I really liked what they were doing with NWA Power. I liked it even better when Jim Cornette was no longer commentating. <laughs> Although I do like Jim Cornette's commentary, I just don't like Jim Cornette. There are few who've ever been on the mic who are better than him. Few. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm hoping that this is going to be good, and uh, I do wish that FTR was in this. Because they've been teasing that match with the Briscoes, and we're still waiting. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and... On one day, NWA will have more good tag team matches than WWE will have all year. Well, it's, I mean, honestly, it's easy to do, but I mean, they're they're also doing, they've also done a a great, solid job booking this, so. Mm -hmm. It looks like a fantastic uh, time and, you know, just so much good wrestling out there. We will we will take up the challenge soon to do a show talking about all other wrestling other than AEW and WWE. Yeah. But news needs to stop happening and AEW needs to stop putting on complete and total bangers of pay-per-views. Which gets us to our main event. We're gonna review slash gush about AEW Revolution, grade the card. I'm gonna use my rubric. I believe you have your own for giving stars out to matches. <laughs> and then we'll we'll go from there. I do have some criticisms about the last two matches. It does not mean I think they are bad matches. I actually think they're both very good matches. But there were some issues that needed to be fixed, and I'm a little disappointed they didn't fix them. Um, yeah. All right. Let us get to this. Just first of all, overall, Emily, you gushed to me about how much you love this show as a show overall, if you are giving it a percentage of zero 
would be, oh, I don't know, the worst thing WWE could do. <laughs> and 100 is a perfect wrestling show. The thing that after you watch it, you'd be afraid to watch wrestling again because it could never be as good as this was. So we're going to give ourselves a pretty wide gradient. What score would you give it on that gradient? Oh, wow. Okay, so... 100 is perfect? 100 is perfect. I would say, to give, to give an example of high score on this, I would say that... Here, here's, here's, a good, here's a good example. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2, not 1. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2 is an 88. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Because I was going to say maybe a little higher for that one, but okay. Um, well, my first instinct actually was that I would give this an 85. Wow, that's lower than I would give it. I, I think it was... I think it was excellent, but there were some pieces missing for me that, that, and I think I, I, yeah, Kenny, (laughs) um, but I think to me, 85 is, is really, really good. So, you know, I, I would, I would hesitate. I would really hesitate to give any show between like, between 92 to 95 like 95 is the highest i would go with any show and i really really would have to think about i would go when i when i would use that yeah see i would have at 98 all out of last year and wrestlemania x7 see i was gonna say all out would be like a 95 for me Uh, okay so i think we're i'm being more generous than you this is weird (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, I just I really I when it comes to like ranking things numerically like this, mm-hmm. I just get really strict with it, you know. Yep. And I don't I don't I want to say too that like I I worked in education and teaching for many years and that's mm-hmm. not my philosophy on grading. No, not at all. Not, not mine, at all. Neither. Mine neither. But when it when it comes to rating entertainment, I feel like a lot of things get rated way too high and so i like to be a little stricter with... i agree i so... would give this a solid 90 i would give this okay. a solid 90 because it it broke one of my rules and i didn't care mm. it went it was it was too long of a pay-per-view it was five hours wow for one day and I kind of think that the that the top of a one day for one day pay per view should be four. Wow, I was fine including pre show, and I was too. I I was ne- I, and that's why I'm saying I'm giving it a ninety. It broke oh, rule, right, right, and I didn't right. care. Okay. I did not care. This was five hours. I had I had a great time the whole way through, um, and that was absolutely fantastic. And so I think that this is the second best AEW pay per view I've seen. Um, I think it made up a lot for the botched ending of last year's revolution. Not to harp on that too much, but 
yeah, come on. We got it. We got it. We got to rid AEW when they, when they fuck up too. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a great pay-per-view from top to bottom. And I was surprised that the first match that we had, it showed that we thought when we, when we predicted this other than Moxie Danielson, which was the only match that we were split on, we thought we were pretty sure about where everything was going. But the pay-per-view opened up with a singles match between Layla Hirsch and Chris Tatler in the buy-in, and nobody thought Layla Hirsch was winning this. Nobody saw the heel turn coming. That was great. That was, that was first of all, that was a really great match between Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander, even for only going nine and a half minutes, or nine, nine minutes and 50 seconds. And Hirsch using that spare uh, rope connector to whack Chris Statlander with and, and get the win. Just going full heel. Love it. Love loved this. For, for an opening pre-show match, you know, a curtain-jerking match to get the crowd warmed up, it was great. And it was not... It was not a great match overall, but for what it was, it was absolutely fantastic. I was giving it a, um, a three and a quarter stars. Good match. Might rewatch a little bit higher than that. What did you think about Layla Hirsch and Chris Stantlander? Yeah, I, I'd give it three stars. I mm-hmm. it it was it was pretty solid, you know. Yeah. I think it could have gone longer, and so that that would be my major complaint on that if it had been on the main card it should have been a 15 minute match but as a pre-show match it was exactly what it needed to be as far as i was concerned and very rarely would i give a pre-show match four stars or more yeah that gets us to the next uh pre-show match which was hook versus qt marshall i will pronounce his name correctly because i hate it when people mispronounce my names um qt marshall beaten by hook in five minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was never a doubt that Hook was winning this. Yeah. Um, but it was a great squash match. And again, a squash match is not something that I would ever consider to be a great match. This isn't even three stars for me. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I think that I think that Hook needs to actually get a story going. I think Hook needs to actually be challenged soon. Because uh, he's just been running people over. And it's been <laughs> great to watch because and I, I said this on one of our earliest episodes. There are two people when I see them on screen in AEW, I want to watch more of them. And it's Hook and it's and it's the bunny, Allie. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of what they're doing. Because th- their look to me is so unique. Allie's crazy eyes. I'm sorry, I used her being Allie. The bunny's crazy eyes just n- reveal murderous intent to me. And I love it. And Hook just looks like he, he does not care. He's just here to, ki- to kill someone and pick up a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. I, I love everything about their presentation of Hook. Um, a match that shocked me for how good it was. Not that there's anything about this match that wasn't going to be great, but the House of Black versus Death Triangle with Eric Redbeard uh, filling in for uh, uh, Ray Phoenix. Um, first of all, Eric Redbeard... And can, can, 
if we step out for a moment, Alex Abrahanti's costuming and face paint on both Rampage on Friday and again on Sunday. I loved everything about his presentation, and I, I, I love the way in which he has been working as the mouthpiece for Death Triangle and the Lucha Brothers. Uh, I, I think he's fan-fucking-tastic, and managers are so underrated. Uh, what do you think about Alex Abrahantes, just really quickly? Yes, I love this, like, dark cardinal. You know, he comes out with the censor and... <laughs> It's just, it fits with Penta uh, Oscuro so much. And I'm really, Penta's amazing. And I am so enjoying this, you know, dark storyline and how that, how, you know, Malachi has continued to like spread this corruption through AEW. I just, I love it. <laughs> I love everything about it, um, and I, I love I love Penta Oscuro's character. I loved uh, seeing Eric Redbeard and seeing him get to fucking wrestle. Yeah, uh, you forget just how bad uh, the WWE style treats athletic big men. Yeah, uh, despite the fact that supposedly some we're not talking about. It. Nope, no, no, no. Uh, Don't do it. <laughs> not, not going there. We're, we're busy gushing about this. The right thing happened here. House of Black went over looking like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And um, Buddy Matthews continued just demonstrating just how fucking good he is. And the fact that he is in a faction with Malachi Black and Brody King. It's just like, and he's so amazing and dangerous. And I just everything about this match was great. I would give it a higher score if it was a main card match. As I'm going to now, I'm just going to say this is an easy four-star match. Definitely could rewatch this match. I think, you know, I I would give this three and three quarters. I can see that. I can see it not being really good enough. But they gave it time. I think it was... Really great, really good storytelling, and they they know when to use the mist in the storytelling. Yeah, because it's one of those things where it can be it can be so done poorly, but they're using it correctly, and it's it's great. And that is the pre-show, and and that was the buy-in. Excuse me, and AW just knocks out of the park with their buy-ins. Like the buy-in they had last year with uh, Riho versus Serena Deeb. Mm. One of the best women's matches last year. And considering the matches we got, that's some, that's saying something. Because we got some really good women's matches all over the world last year. And a buy-in match on, on an AEW pay-per-view was one of the best. Um, yeah, this was this was great. Everything about this was fan-freaking-tastic. Um, we get to the main card. We could probably do an entire show on the way in which Eddie Kingston is able to build feuds so quickly and so completely. But this feud with Jericho and the way it happened, uh, this was a pretty great match. 
for as short as it was. I was expecting this to go longer, but it only went 13 minutes and 40 seconds. I was expecting this to be closer to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret it. I felt like this 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 started off hot and heavy, and it never let up. And I felt like I was catching my breath the whole match, and it was great. How did you feel about Eddie? <laughs> oh, wow. I was so incredibly happy by the result of this. Mm-hmm. And Eddie, Eddie just did an amazing job. And yeah, I <laughs> I can't even put into words how much <laughs> I loved this. So this was a classic. This was this was perfect, beautiful short storytelling that they've done with Eddie multiple times. He comes in, he's able to get everyone riled up and get everyone invested in it. Um, if this had had more of a build, this is a five and a half star match as it is, I'm saying four and three quarters. It's not quite a match of the year contender because I think it's going to get lost in the shuffle when we think about that. But this was a great match. I could, I, I could rewatch this match and be very happy rewatching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would give this four and a half. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like you're undercutting me. I'm going to have you go first. This time. <laughs> no, I, I know, I, I know, mean... I know. <laughs> it's good. It's good, though. I'm sorry. I'm not, it's not a criticism of you at all. I, just... I know, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, we got to get through this card because we've already been, we've already been talking for seventy minutes, and we've only, we've only gotten the first match in the card. And there's some of this stuff we got a lot to talk about. Oh wow! Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> yeah, the three way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship between Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks. Uh, this was everything I thought it was going to be. This was Red Dragon and the Young Bucks getting in each other's way. This was Jungle Boy being worked over to the hot tag for Luchasaurus, not once but twice. This was betrayal between Red Dragon and Young Bucks. It's going to lead to, uh, hopefully, a month-long feud between the Elite and whatever the Undisputed Era is going to be called in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and just Everything about this was was perfect with uh, Jungle Boy being just the best baby face. Just the most pure white meat baby face. Luchasaurus being the perfect big man for a hot tag. Just uh, this was this was this was wonderful. This was this was dessert before dinner wonderful. How did you feel about this match? Yeah, absolutely. So entertaining in the way that I thought it would be. And the interesting thing for me is when I when I look back on this match and Dynamite and then think about longer term what's what's been going on in the tag team divisions is it, there's a real potential here for uh trios to, to come out of this and I think this match is one 
that kind of lays the groundwork for that. And then Dynamite this week continues that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really hoping that this is, you know, found this and the um you know Darby Allen um Sammy Sting the match later on I just kind of get the sense that there's potential from this pay-per-view and dynamite that we're that we're going to have trios emerge mm-hmm. so that that kind of excited me um when I when when I was watching Revolution and then when I think about this match so yeah and this is this is a match that I'm giving four and a half stars um, because I knew everything was going to happen. And so it, 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 nothing here was a surprise. Everything was done well. And it's definitely a match that's rewatchable. It's definitely a match that I, that I would like. If I wanted to show someone what, what a good triple threat tag team match looked like, this is a great example of that. Just great psychology, great ring work, great selling. Uh, Jungle Boy is just absolutely amazing. Kyle O'Reilly is absolutely amazing. Um, Young Bucks are great as always. Bobby Fish is one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. Mm. Like there are not enough superlatives for him. And and Luchasaurus might be the most interesting big man to watch in the ring. He might be. He's gonna have some stiff competition for the next match. <laughs> But he is yeah. super fun to watch as 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 a big baby face. Um in, in a way that's that, that very few are. It's so easy for monsters to be heels. But for monsters to be dinosaurs on the side of good. <laughs> With a master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. four and a half stars, great match. Uh, not a match of the year contender. Uh, the Bucks have had better matches. Uh, uh, Red Dragon has had better matches. But this is a solid, solid match. And it really just highlights what tag team wrestling is and can be. Yeah. What do you, what are you giving this one? 4.25. Undercut again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the face. I promise I've decided these on, like, I'm not doing it on purpose. I know. I know. I know. Let's talk about the face of the revolution ladder match. Another match where we thought the obvious thing was going to happen. And then it didn't. I thought that for sure this was going to be Keith Lee or a surprise seventh entrant, hopefully Johnny Gargano. That did not happen. Wardlow wins this match in what is a very good match. Couple of things I want to talk about very quickly, but I'm going to actually let you go first. What do you want to talk about with this match? Yeah, you know, I I thought we could see Keith Lee take this, but I also thought this would be a good opportunity for Wardlow to break free from MJF and to pursue a contract in AEW. And uh, you know, I think the I think the outcome is really, really, really interesting, and this was an excellent, you, you know, match in this style of um, 
probably one of the better uh, ladder matches in this at, at this level with like this many people in it. So once again, AEW has set the standard for ladder matches <laughs> for me. Like, yeah. Um, the clear stars of this match were not the winner. Um, that w- Wardlow won the match is great, and it puts him in, a, in an interesting position. I'm not sure how much I'm going to enjoy Babyface Wardlow. But two shining stars for me in this were Christian Cage and Orange Cassidy. First of all, Orange Cassidy rolling in the ring, rolling right past everyone and right out of the ring at the start of the match. <laughs> yeah. Then after the three big men clear out Christian Cage and Rick and Ricky Starks, Orange Cassidy gets in and tempts Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs into attacking him, leading to Keith Lee grabbing both of them. And then Orange Cassidy tries to climb on all on all of them to grab yes, the first ring. That was and so then perfect. the ladder spot. Then the ladder spot where Orange Cassidy is whipping around a ladder. He's got it on his shoulders. And he's whipping around, hitting everyone. <laughs> Keith Lee and Lorbo stop it, lift it up. He climbs up on top of the ladder and almost grabs the brass ring again. Yes. Uh, just the inventiveness of Orange Cassidy and Christian kind of being like the ladder match veteran in here mm. was really good piece of storytelling. Mm. The thing that brings this match down for me isn't that Wardlow won. It's what happened to the other two big men that needed more of a highlight in this match. Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs get taken out about three quarters of the way through the match, and we don't see them again. Mm. I didn't like that. I didn't. It's like that, that, that seems like a waste of both men. You could have told this story without that spot, and that spot wasn't that good that it needed to be here. And that brings this match down quite a bit for me because it feels like Keith Lee just became an afterthought in his first pay-per-view match. And that is not how I want Keith Lee to be. So that, that, that drags us down from what would have been a 4.5 match for me to a 3.75. It's still a good match, but I don't think that you should be treating Keith Lee like this. I think that Powerhouse Hobbs needs to also be treated quite a bit better because he's pretty fucking amazing. And so I, I just felt like that was kind of a, that, that, that really kind of put a damper on my enjoyment because I would have liked to have seen instead of that spot, Wardlow fighting Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs on the top of the ladders and then grabbing the brass ring. Yeah. It's a cliche spot in ladder matches. I don't care. But both Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs are athletic enough to do that. So I don't, I don't know. This could this could have been better for me. It was still very very good, and Orange Cassidy just genius, just <laughs> genius. What are you grading this match? Okay, get excited. Mm-hmm. Four point four. You're breaking the quarter, half, three quarter star rule, <laughs> and I am all for it. I de- I decide I I made an executive decision that I, that I was going to do that, and so I really I probably I really should make my rubric like a meme or something, um, 
or make some kind of chart with it. But one of the th- one of the things that that plays into how I am scoring these matches is in or is both long long term storytelling in terms of what's been happening before the match uh, that happens in the match potential for future long term storytelling and interlocking storytelling mm-hmm. that gives the potential for especially in a match like this when you have so many people who have you know widely different backgrounds so that really play that for me really brings this match up and i thought about giving it a 4.5 but feels like a 4.4 so yeah no that's fair and 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 still a very good match like there there are no bad matches on this card none of these things are bad we're not giving out any twos or any ones at least i hope not <laughs> um <laughs> No. I am not. about to give out a I am about to give out a low three though. Oh. And it's not because the match is bad, it's because the match isn't given enough time. So our next match is Jade Cargill versus Ty Conti for the TBS championship. First of all, entrance is beautiful. We already talked about it. Jade's cosplay of Jade from Mortal Kombat. All of this is amazing. The back and forth between Jade and Ty in the ring for six minutes and fifty seconds was really good. It was really entertaining. And then I just kind of go, did Anna J hit Jade Cargill with a chair when the when the ref wasn't looking? Did I did I imagine that? I don't know. I don't think I I'm, did. I'm questioning my reality now. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me look it up. You talk about this while I look it up. Okay, so I definitely, I absolutely agree with you. You're right. It was not long enough, and it deserved to be much longer. We've seen uh, Ty Conti have great matches with women who are bigger than her, and I'm thinking specifically here with um, Nyla Rose. And so this, this really, you know, with how skilled ty conti is and the different styles she brings in this could have gone on much longer jade looked great in this she continues to just improve like every time but i think the the length of time for this match kind of shows that jade need jade needs you know more like to con- continue with her experience and training, which she is doing, and that's not a criticism at all because she's really doing amazing work, and she has everything that she needs from her ability on the mic to you know her her presence and charisma and her ring psychology she's absolutely wonderful and you know maybe she could have gone a lot longer and mm-hmm. this is just a limitation of booking so yeah some of it's not booking though some of it is bad call on jade's part so jade decided in the match to mock conti's judo and this really kind of took me out of it because 
Jade referring to judo as karate just kind of like that's dumb. Don't you think she's being intent? I mean, she she likes to troll people. I get that, but it didn't work on me. Yeah, it, it well, did not. It did not work for me. It's just as easy to say judo shit as it is to say to say karate shit. Um, and it, it's one of those things that that really bugged me because there's very little relation between judo and karate. Yeah, and it. it, it that snapped me out of the match from what was otherwise a really good beginning. And it turns out, yeah, Anna J did hit Cargill with a chair. Okay. Who I, I wasn't imagining it. I wasn't hallucinating it. I'm having a hard time believing it because Ty is supposed to be a face. Anna J is supposed to be a face. Cargill is supposed to be the dominant heel. I don't like this. I do not... And, I that no no I did not like that, and so the from from a from a story storytelling perspective from a technical perspective, there isn't a whole lot to complain about with this from the time that they were given to do the match. But I can't give it higher than a three. Ooh, ouch, 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 ouch. <laughs> those two incongruities for me really messed me, messed up my enjoyment of the match. It was still beautiful. It was still. A really good solid technical wrestling match in a lot of ways, but I got snapped out of my uh, willing suspension of disbelief not once but twice in this match, mm. and I'm like, that hurts me. Yeah, this, this this was a really good match ruined by two things that should not have been there, in my opinion. I don't think that Anna J should be hitting Cargo with a chair if if Ty Conti is supposed to be a face. Well, <laughs> okay, well, here, I'm, I'm going to get to the score, but here's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So Anna Jay, as a member of the Dark Order, originally was a heel. And, it, it, you know, Dark Order was a really entertaining heel faction. And all of that changed with, um, you know, the death of Brody. And the direction Dark Order went was completely different, and they started to intertwine with Hangman's story, right? Mm -hmm. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a possibility for Hangman to start going down a dark path, and I'm going to talk about that more when we get to uh, his match. Now, at the same time... This possibility is always hanging out there that Dark Order is going to go back to being Dark Order. And I'm not convinced that that isn't going to happen. It's, I, I'm not 100% convinced it is going to happen. It's a very tantalizing possibility. And Anna Jay's behavior in this match fits with that. And the thing with... Anna Jay and Ty Conti even teaming up. It was always sort of, it was at first kind of teased that is, is Ty Conti going to go down this dark path and, you know, what's going to happen with, with this friendship. And so perhaps maybe we're, maybe this is going to go somewhere. 
and Mm -hmm. is going to connect with Hangman and Dark Order. So, (laughs) all that said, I would give this a 3.4. All right. Dropping dropping the point four again. Um, I, I'm fond of it. I it's very. Solid. I'm for it. I'm for it. Solid. I'm, I'm also for Tyconti joining the Dark Order, and I'm I'm for the the slow return to healing of the Dark Order. I I do love it, but it snapped me out of the match twice, and I love Jade Cardgill, and we have nothing but great things to say about Jade. Um, I would like to see her get a longer match, befitting her her ability, but. You know, this is a this is a this is a show for five hours with twelve, uh, with twelve shows, and again, or twelve uh, matches. So not everything can go uh, a good long time, and the next match really needed to go for a good long time, and it did not disappoint. We could spend a very long time talking about CM Punk versus MJF, as it has absolutely been the best thing in professional wrestling for the last several months. And yeah, this did not disappoint for me. This was this was everything I wanted the match to be. I actually went and rewatched uh, Punk's dog collar match with Raven. Hmm. Um, before the match, and really enjoyed that. And just so much, so many of the little things. MJF is is just a perfect wrestler at this point. I mean, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of ways in which he he could get better. And the storytelling in the match was great. The back and forth was great. The use of the dog collar was great. Uh, and then Wardlow turning on MJF and handing Punk the ring when he pretended he couldn't find it was the perfect way to turn Wardlow. And it was something that if you go back and listen to previous episodes of this podcast, I'm against. I was against Wardlow turning. <laughs> I wanted it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know, but they did it perfectly. They did it perfectly. And for that, well, first, what are your thoughts on this dog collar match? Okay. So I, I, I know, you know, you mentioned best thing in the last few months in wrestling. I am going to take this much, much farther and I am going to make a claim that this is probably the greatest story in professional wrestling and this this match as the culmination of it is absolutely perfect mm-hmm. and you know it just i mean it brings together literally decades of wrestling history and then, it, it you know, across companies and brings together individual decades of wrestling history, or maybe a decade is more accurate, uh, in, in terms of CM Punk's... Sorry, my, mm-hmm. my, my mic fell out. In terms of CM Punk's you know, overall story of like his life in wrestling. And then, uh, you know, as someone who is this incredible, you know, veteran in the business at this point, and then MJF as this 
budding, incredible, like, down-the-line veteran (laughs) that he's going to be in professional wrestling. So I, on so many levels, was just enthralled and you and i've and i've made this claim before that this is the you know the greatest story in professional wrestling so just just incredible i yeah and and i also i think i'm probably a little biased because i'm i you know piper was my original absolute favorite wrestler when i was a kid like mm-hmm. he he was the reason i watched wwf as a child and so the you know the callbacks that have happened throughout this story uh, you know to piper just i i don't know i mean i just there's there's no other story like this in wrestling and you couldn't you know with CM Punk leaving and coming back like you i mean you couldn't like make this happen it it's it's both organic and it and inc- like incredible story layered on top and and that's part of what makes it or that is what makes it so perfect and and makes it to me one of one of the best matches I I think I've ever seen. So in in wrestling, is this something that you would say is a contender for greatest match of all time? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Then give me your score. Okay, so I don't really go above five. Yep. I don't. I don't believe in doing that. But I'm going to do it for this match. And I'm, I'm, I think that the, if I'm going to break the scoring system, there's going to be limits on it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give it a six. I will also give it a six. <gasps> bum, 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 bum! <laughs> I, do, I do kind of agree because I pulled up the I pulled up the list of Dave Meltzer's six star matches um, and the one seven star match. Of course, the eight star match is you and me, but you know, yeah, well, we, the, yeah, the we, seven we can't stars, go. the seven stars, Kenny and Kazuchika, two out of three falls. Then Kenny and Kazuchika, 6.25 at, at uh, which was the um, and then the uh, Osprey. And Takage match uh, was six point was six. Uh, Page and Omega versus the Young Bucks six. Omega versus Okada six. Uh, Okada versus Omega also a six. Um, uh, Mitsuhara Misawa uh, versus uh, uh, Toshiaki uh, Kawada also six. And the last six star match he has listed these are chronologically is Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair. I think this fits. I think the story that's being told, the performance that happens in the ring, I think this fits in this relatively short list of six-star matches. I don't think anything is ever going to break uh, our match. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) Okada, Omega, two out of three falls. I don't think anything's ever going to break that. 
I don't think anything's ever going to be... Uh, I don't think many things are ever going to get close to six. I think very few things should be uh, much like much like you. I don't think much should break the five. I think there are more five-star matches, but six-star matches should be discussions of best match of all time. Mm-hmm. I think this fits into that uh, absolutely. And I think this is a match that the build to it, every bit of this feud is watchable on its own. And then together it tells this very long weaving narrative that is so fucking amazing and so well done and can only be done by two performers who are absolutely the best. And the thing that I want to happen from this is for them to not cross paths again for a long time. Mm. I want this to be a real blow-off match. I want I want MJF to start fucking with Wardlow after Wardlow betrayed him. I want Punk to go on to something else. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to cross paths for a while. So I want this to be a true blow-off. And if they do that right, then this story will get to stand alone as... And that, that for me is going to be the test of time is if they let this story just rest and be what it is, then it will be one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestling story of all time. Yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right in already calling it that. All right. <laughs> We've been going for an hour and 40 minutes. We need to move along. We've still got three matches to talk about. We can do it. Moxie versus Danielson. Uh, I'm just going to go right out and say this is an easy five-star match. Rewatch it multiple times. Uh, the match itself was... Oh, sorry. We got four matches. Sorry. We jumped ahead. We'll get back to, to to Baker versus Thunder Rosa. My apologies. I already started this. Moxley versus Danielson was a fantastic match, top to bottom. And the match itself was a five. William Regal coming out at the end of it was a five all by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I popped... I was talking to my friend Tristan on on uh, on Discord when it happened. He popped. I heard the entire world pop. That was <laughs> great, and it was a great piece of storytelling. And is there any way you give this less than a five? No, there's no way. And it, you know, it's like it's so beautiful because you, you know Brian proposed to John Moxley, and not only proposed to him but said. Let's get married and let's adopt three beautiful young men and train them and make them great wrestlers. And then it cut. And of course, he didn't actually propose, right? But that's what it felt like. And it it spawned this. This is uh, what happens when rotten girls do a wrestling podcast. (laughs) Well, the beautiful thing is it spawned like some fan art of him proposing to John Moxley and AEW. The people in it are so smart and so in touch with the fans that the next, like, and and I know that Brian, I I feel like someone in AEW passed passed along the art, and it was it showed up on Twitter because the next the next promo that Brian did a few days later was all about wanting a long term relationship with John. And he literally said long-term relationship. So you, it, it, they're so freaking smart. And so as this match was ending, right, 
William Regal walks out. I start screaming to Dustin, William Regal's coming out to marry them. He's the officiant. They're getting married. And that is what happened. <laughs> and, like, that's what it felt like, right? <laughs> I know I'm being so ridiculous about this, but... No, just, you're not. You're, 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 you're being rotten, and I'm, I'm here for it. It's, now rare. it's rare that someone out-rottens me. <laughs> they're happily married now, and William Regal is, is going to watch over them and take care of them. They're going to adopt some sons, and we are going to get the most dominant stable in wrestling history out of this with yeah. William with William Regal as this like solid deal maker who's part of it and I am so excited I like the more I think about this the more like inside right now I'm I'm talking but inside I'm like screaming mm. <laughs> It was great everything about it was great Let's let's walk backwards to <laughs> Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. I was not happy with the end of the match until I realized what they were going to do next week on Dynamite, which is what I hope they still do. So I'm going to remove that from my judgment because the idea of putting off Thunder Rosa's win to do it in San Antonio makes all the sense in the world to me. Mm-hmm. To do it in a cage match where Hater and uh, a Rebel can't interfere makes all the sense in the world to me. And so this was still a really great match. I am disappointed that Rosa didn't have a corner person. I'm disappointed that Mercedes Martinez was not her corner person. I'm disappointed that we didn't get a debut in Athena to mm-hmm. to come down and make the save for Thunder Rosa. There's so many things that could have been done here. But instead of focusing on what could have been done, this is a solid women's world championship match by two of the best in the business right now. And yeah, this is just fantastic. Yeah. I I was very disappointed with with the end of this, but I also mm-hmm. kn- I also know that AEW likes to change belts on the network and not necessarily on pay-per-views. I mean, it does happen on pay-per-views, but I I get it. I think that that is a good decision because that's where your ratings really come in. It makes a lot of sense and it's fair to fans who, you know, have cable but you know, don't buy pay-per-views or, you know, can't afford to buy every single pay-per-view. So I anticipate that Thunder Rosa will take the belt next week. She's going to be in Texas, which is where she lives and where Mission Pro runs out of. So I think it would be very meaningful for it to happen there. Um, I, I, I felt like the finish to this match was too abrupt and especially, and I, and I guess this, I mean, this really plays into the story though, because it looked like Thunder Rosa was going to prevail because she had taken out 
Jamie and Rubble, and then mm-hmm. it that's not what happens. So it, it, in that sense, it's kind of an appropriate finish, but I still, I, I think the way it happened was maybe a little too abrupt. And uh, yeah, so... But good, good, good showing either way. You know, Thunder Rosa continues to prove that she can fight three people at once, basically. But it's hard to prevail in those circumstances. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And for rating this, uh, I, I would give this one a, a 4.25. So I'll give it about the same. I'll, 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 I'll take a page out of your book and give it a 4.3. Oh, um, because I thought the storytelling here was really great. Um, I want to like this match more, but it is sandwiched between Punk MJF and Moxie Danielson, and that is no slight on either Britt Baker or Thunder Rosa. Those were better stories than this ended up being in the match. We're going to get the culmination to this story next week on Dynamite, which is going to be great. And hopefully we also get the rematch at... Uh, um, double or nothing because i think i don't think there's another if thunder rosa wins in san antonio there isn't another person ready to step up i think to challenge and i think that there should be a big rematch and then Britt baker should go away for a little while she probably is going to need to recover she's been working her her ass off Mm. for a while so this would be a good good chance to give her a break from tv for for a month or two then have her come back and start a new program Hmm. And a chance to elevate more people on the AEW roster. Yeah, um, and I think I think this is going to be fantastic. I think that we could be leading to. I would like to see a heel turn from from Ruby Soho and have her challenge Thunder Rosa. Uh, that would be a match I'd like to see. We're already assuming Thunder Rosa is going to win in San Antonio. <laughs> 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 That's where the story is going. Okay. All right, last two matches, and I'm, I, I just want to say that, with the exception of Cargill and and, and Conti, which broke my willing suspension of disbelief twice, which is why I rated it so low. This is a really, really great pay per view all the way through. And then the, where I had a problem with that was Sting. Not once, but twice. Sting hit people square in the head with that trash can. Mm. And some of that's muscle memory from wrestling in a time where you did headshots. But that was just like, Stinger man, come on. Don't do that. Don't do that again. I it, it really upset me watching it. I'm like, someone needs to pull him aside and say, I don't care if you're a legend or icon or 62 years old. Given what we know about concussions, given what we know about headshots, uh, unprotected shots to the head, you can't be doing that. Yeah. And it really bothered me for the whole match. 
Sting going through the tables did not make that better because I didn't want to see that either. That it was a it was a terrific spot, but sixty two year old Sting diving off of a balcony through a through a, a stack of Chekhov's tables that <laughs> were ridiculously set up and then left and walked away from and then come back to again. It's a spot match. I it was entertaining. But both of these things really kind of upset my enjoyment of what should have been a nice, entertaining palate cleanser. At least it wasn't the piss break Minneapolis street fight uh, from from <laughs> Full Gear. That was a piss break match. Um, this was a, a, as a tornado tag team match with no freaking rules. This was fine, but I was really bothered by I was really bothered by that headshot by the two headshots that Singh did. What did you think about this match? Yeah, I I definitely agree. I was going to bring up that the potential head injuries um, that in this in this match, and you know there, I I think in in this pay per view and in Dynamite, the Dynamite after, I was I have been a little worried about people because there was a a lot of what looked like near misses or or actual falls on the head that made me really uncomfortable and yeah so the overall entertaining match you know i had the same reservations about sting uh you know going as far as he did and i think this could have been i think like you said this this could have been a lot more entertaining with just a, you know a few things taken out of it and yeah so but it does have you know again some good potential for long term storytelling the trios that i talked about that could come out of this and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a little more there's more to it than just this match. Um, I I would give this one a three point seven five. I'd give it a three point five. Um, it was still an, it was an entertaining palate cleanser. It was good. There the storytelling that's going to come out of the match was better than the storytelling that was in the match. Uh, it did yeah. split, It did lead to the breakup of the Hardy family office and the debut of Jeff Hardy that we, we haven't talked about because everyone already talked about it. So. We broke news that that Pete Dunn is butch at the top of the show. <laughs> Such a bad name. All right. Adam Page versus Adam Cole. AEW World Championship match. Uh, another short build that was really well done. Uh, and again, not necessarily that short of a build since Adam Cole is always going to be gunning for a top title in every promotion that he's in. He can't stomach not being the leader of a group, even though he's best friends with all these guys. Uh, So the whole match itself, um, this was everything that I expect out of an Adam Cole match. Near technical perfection in every single way. Uh, Adam Page has demonstrated he is a really, really solid, excellent wrestler, fundamentally sound in every way. 
and I was all on board with this match until Adam Page took his belt off and tied up Adam Cole in front of the referee. And where is the disqualification? I know. That's what that's that bothered me. That should have immediately been a disqualification. That is not legal. And this is one of the, this is one of the things it's just like there's so much you were talking about earlier, the potential to turn page darker. It's here. Cole getting his receipt for Dynamite last week when Red Dragon duct taped Adam Page to the uh, the ropes and beat up Alex Reynolds and John Silver was, you know, that that's a good bit of storytelling. But in a wrestling match, that needs to be a disqualification. And that soured the match for me. Everything with Red Dragon's run-in and then Dark Order save, uh, Paige accidentally hitting Alex Reynolds, all of the storytelling beats in this match were great. The technical side of the match was great. But that, that one thing just left a nasty taste in my mouth. I'm like, come on. This has to be a DQ. This has to be a DQ. And then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I have an emerging theory that there's something about the AEW World Championship and holding it that has a corrupting influence on the person who takes it. And it br- it brings out what's already in them, the the shadows that are already in them, and so you know this is just a little pet theory that I have right now, and it, it's a Most way that keep you... cats or dogs for pets. Emily keeps <laughs> theories for pets as well. <laughs> it's a way that okay, if I was if I if I was a a wrestling. Uh, a critic in the in the sense of like literary criticism and mm-hmm. i and i was working on a a masters or a phd in, in the theory of wrestling or something <laughs> i i have like a whole a whole thing um the the uh, oh the hermeneutics of wrestling yes there we go. okay so my interpretation and my theory right now is that there is something about having that belt and, you know, having, having that spotlight on you, having, you know, having to watch your back, knowing that everyone's coming after you. Can you keep it? Can you retain it? Do you deserve to have it? And it, I just, I just think it could be. I don't know if AEW is doing it intentionally, but boy, if they did, it it would be really amazing. And I think this this match is where you know I kind of wondered about Hangman before this match because I was getting a sense that 
something was coming out uh and yeah i i'm very intrigued and i think the the whole and the reason why i bring up this corrupting influence of the of the belt and then hangman hangman taking his belt off and and using it the way he did is that there's there's also something that kind of lets the person that has it get away with more than they should be and we saw that with Kenny and it's like it has this like sort of fog effect or something <laughs> i i really i i'm going to stop cuz i could really like go far and like just keep going down the down the road with <laughs> with this theory yeah. um we are approaching two hours. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to tell you the score the, that I would give this match is... Oh, I'm really, I'm really torn on, on where I'm going to go with this, but I, this, the score I would give is 4.45. And there's, I, a, there's a break that happens at 4.5, and that's why I've just yeah. really, you know... For me, on in my in my scoring system, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna give this a solid four and a half, um, because I do think that this is a good match. Yeah, I just think that there are bad choices made in this match. I think the storytelling is excellent. I think the potential storytelling going forward is excellent. I don't think this is a match of the year contender. I think Hangman's had those this year with Brian Danielson. And I think that this needs this needs to be a lot more to be a match of the year contender, and it just wasn't. But it was still very good. I'm still mad that it wasn't a DQ, and I know that they don't want to do DQ finishes, but it was there. It was there, and it should have been. And it just... If you do DQ finishes all the time, they suck. If you do DQ finish once in a while, and so what they should have done was put this match on in the middle and ended with Punk MJF. Hmm. Because that was the best story going. Um, and again, I understand you want to put your champion on last, and that's usually true most of the time. But there are multiple cases where on a pay-per-view, you don't put the championship on match. Uh, match on last for various reasons and this is one of them so because you don't want to send people home in a DQ I agree with that mm-hmm. but if you're gonna do that spot then it has to be a DQ or your rules are meaningless if your rules are meaningless then you break uh, people's ability to willingly suspend their disbelief Me- rules need to actually mean something and that bothers me and it's you know, you know I have a problem when people tag in and out not holding the damn tag rope. Sorry, mm. but it bugs me. This is what this is what the this is the established narrative of tag team wrestling for decades. Now if yeah. you wanna if you wanna take the tag rope away and not have it and have different rules, that's fine. But if the tag rope is there, someone better be holding it to get tagged in. <laughs> they better okay, it's, it's fucking Chekhov's tag rope. <laughs> okay all right this was a fantastic pay-per-view uh in any way we do have some quibbles about it because nothing's ever perfect 
And if you can't criticize what you love, then you don't have any business criticizing what you hate. Um, basic tenet of literary theory. As we <laughs> are both people with master's degrees. So, <sighs> fuck you all. Uh, <laughs> we have had a great time talking about this. We're going to have some more fun uh, coming up. Because in a, here in a little bit, there's going to be some revisiting of the awesome wrestling universe as WrestleMania weekend is coming up and there's no way WrestleMania could be as good as what we would book for it. So based off of our Royal rumble bookings, we're going to book some WrestleMania coming up. Uh, so look forward to that. We'll also be, we'll also continue talking about other things and uh, news is happening and so much good stuff in wrestling. And we really encourage you to you know go out and watch some professional wrestling, be a fan, enjoy things. It's really important to take time for yourself and to make sure you're mentally in a good place. And in engaging in your fandoms is one of those things. That is going to bring us to the end of Anna and Emily Russell podcast, which is not, of course, as you know, really the end because all podcasts have to do all the stuff in the outros. Um, so I've actually written it down. You can follow the show on Twitter at Anna Emily Pod. You can email us at A and E WrestlePod at gmail.com. No emails yet, but that's not unusual for shows that I do. You can follow Emily on eight on Twitter at eight bit Emily. You've been taking a break from Twitter this week. Yes, I have. Just As... a little break for a little bit. I mean, I've been on Twitter since two thousand nine, and I haven't mm-hmm. really taken significant breaks. <laughs> so, I think it's probably time. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, I run multiple shows, so I can't take a break from Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Ann underscore Elise where I'm raging about lots of stuff that's happening in the world including the state of Texas deciding to declare, to declare war on trans children and their families trans rights matter if you don't think trans rights are human rights don't listen to our fucking show you motherfucker <laughs> we don't want you we don't need your download uh, we have a lot of things going on and a lot of irons in the fire right now uh, other shows that are being done by friends of ours and shows that I'm doing, uh, please go give a listen to uh, the Gore Podcast over at Gore Podcast on Twitter. That's being run by my very good friend and co-host on Q for Fun, Wicked Kitten. Currently, Q for Fun and Anime Sweater are both on hiatus for all of March. We're planning something. We have big, big plans for the various shows that we're doing. I'm not going to spoil those now, but you might want to, if you like this podcast, if you like what Emily and I are doing, and you want to see other things that our group of myself, Emily, Royalite, uh, Wicked Kitten, and Sofer Shea are capable of, we have plans. Please <laughs> circle April 2nd on your calendar. We have a lot to talk about. There's a whole host of shows that we are currently developing. Some of them may run, run for years. Some of them might only run for a few episodes. Uh, but we're going to do some really fun stuff, and we're going to have more stuff coming your way. And we hope that you enjoy all the entertaining stuff that we're putting out. Um, and we're going to... We have also plans for this show. We are still planning on getting uh, Emily's uh, husband, Dustin, on to talk about, hopefully... Japanese wrestling and hopefully talk about uh the great Muda. Mm. I think that I think that he is the biggest great Muda super fan I've ever met. <laughs> uh we are gonna have my wife, uh Dia, on at some point to talk about Danhausen. Yay. 
Ooh, that's gonna be fun. She is she is the biggest fan housing. <laughs> um we're going to be having at some point uh my my friend uh Tristan, who is a an an anthrop an anthropologist studying music, coming on to talk about uh wrestling music and wrestling and wrestlers themes, music and wrestling at some point. Uh we're going to have a whole bunch of other uh guests, uh Willie Dills Gregory, uh who was previously the host of One Nine Hundred Wrestling with Justin Robert or Justin Robert Young, uh will eventually make an appearance on the show once I can lock him down to a day and time. And other people that we want to come on here and talk about wrestling and cool stuff with us. As well as all sorts of other stuff that is going on. This show will continue to be Friday nights because it takes me 10 to 15 minutes to put together the notes and we talk for two hours because that's how easy doing a show about pro wrestling is. Mm-hmm. Not how easy doing a good show about pro wrestling is. This uh-huh. is this is the best show about yes. pro wrestling. <laughs> I I hold us to a very high standard because I as I said at the top of the show, the stuff that the stuff that Wrestle Talk is doing the stuff that Cultaholic is doing, the stuff that uh, even uh, What Culture, who I don't watch anymore, but I still actually really like all the people who work at What Culture, stuff that Fightful is doing. Um, I, I, I mean, even I don't like his opinions, but it's no denying that Jim Cornette knows a whole lot and is entertaining. I'm not saying go listen to his shows because don't. But it, it's still quality and he has a point of view. He's wrong. About Japanese women wrestlers, Orange Cassidy, AEW, uh, everything. But <laughs> there's so much good wrestling content out there. Uh, the internet wrestling community is a fantastic place to be a part of, uh, despite the fact that there are tribal warfare that's really kind of annoying and stupid people and dumb tweets from uh, WWE Hall of Famers who are now mayors in Tennessee. Ugh. Yeah, fuck you, Kane. Just lost any amount of respect I ever had for you. That's going to do it. I, I think, unless there's something else that, that we need to say. Any, any last words, Emily? No. All right, then. Uh, let's go ahead and send this uh, crowd home happy. So without further ado, we'd like to give you all adieu and say... Goodbye. And good night. Bang.